Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. We're going to put on some worship music here in just a minute. You're listening to the live services of I Saw the Light Ministries coming to you from the mountains of Tennessee, broadcasting into Europe, into the Middle East, into Africa, into Korea, into Australia. Amen. South America, Antarctic, and the Arctic, anywhere that anybody has an internet or a telephone connection, you could hear the word of God today. Amen. Amen. Praise Jesus. Hey, Sister TV. Hey, Sister Lisa. Brother AJ. Brother Nicholas in Australia as well. Hopefully, Sister Melissa as well, and other people across the world. So glad to have Brother Michael here today, my bro, brother, <laughs> and my beautiful and sweet wife that feeds me every day, Brittany. So thankful that she waters me and feeds me. Praise the Lord Jesus. I'm a dog, you know I am. Got it? Yeah. Okay. We're going to do page number one of the traditional worship song. This is... Uh, Glory to his name. Thank you. 
Thank you. 
Lord, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' holy name, praise your name. Father, thank you for showing us the light. Thank you that you are the light, the water, the breath, and the bread, the way, and the truth, and the life. There is no other way but you. There is no other name that we may be saved by. You are the way, the truth, and the life, the light of our soul, the light of our salvation. Praise your holy name. Thank you, Father, for this special day and for telling us to gather together in your name that we may worship you freely in liberty and peace and safety. But even if it threatened our life, we would still serve you and worship you openly, publicly, wherever we may be, that your name be glorified, worshiped, and be a light to this dark and evil world. We ask you, Lord, that your spirit reign in this service. I ask you, Father, that you have your way. You put your words in me. Put your words in my mind, in my heart, in my soul, and into my life. Light my path that I may clearly see that I would not go to the left, that I would not backfall, that I would not fall away, that you would reveal to me all the tactics and snares of the enemy ahead of time, that you would cover me with your blood, shine your light upon my path, circumcise my heart, and put your seal in my forehead and in my belly and in my mind. In the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Ghost, and by the power of the blood of Christ, in the name of Jesus, so be it. We ask you, Lord Father, that you be glorified in this service and in this building and in this shopping center for the salvation of souls. In the name of Jesus, so be it. Amen. Amen. Praise Jesus. You may be seated. We're going to start today in the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, chapter 4. For the record, today's date is March 24th, 2018 A.D., in the year of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in God's calendar, it is the seventh day of the 13th month, seventh day of the 13th month. Today's topic is be instant, in season, and out of season. Another way of saying that, another way of translating that, what Alpha and Omega Bible says is be ready, in season, and out of season. King James says be instant, 
Alpha Omega Bible and New American Standard says be ready. Same thing. Be instant. Be ready. At the drop of a hat. Any second. Any moment. Be ready. In season. And out of season. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 1, verse 1 through verse, verse 4. 2 Timothy 4, verse 4 verses. I solemnly charge you. This is Paul writing Timothy. It's not Timothy writing. It is Paul talking to Timothy, writing Timothy. I charge you, Timothy, in the presence of Theos and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing and by his kingdom. Preach the word, Timothy. Preach the word. Be ready in season. Be instant in season. And out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For this reason, for the time, will come, and it has come, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. And they will turn away their ears from the truth and would turn aside to myths or fables or lies and deceptions. Amen. How true this is. Amen. Paul is telling Timothy that many people don't want the truth, but they want lies. They want an April's fool. They want fairy tales. They want deception. That is the sad reality. We would not would not we would not like for it to be that way. God does not want it to be that way. But it's the reality of the world. Revelation twelve verse nine says that the devil has deceived the whole world. Either people have not read that verse or they don't believe what it says, that the devil has deceived the whole world. That sounds like to me that is talking about every person on the planet, including us at some time of our life. We have all been lost at some time of our life. We were all deceived at some time of our life. We can only get saved once we realize that fact that we're lost and need a Savior. Amen? The only Savior that is available. And the Scripture says that there is only one Savior, not two, not three, four, or five. Amen? And Paul tells Timothy to preach the Word, preach the Gospel, preach the truth, and rebuke and to correct. Now, this is an apostle talking to a pastor. Okay? We do have to keep it in the context, but we can learn from it for all of us that there is a time of review, that there is a time of correction, there is a time for everything under the sun, as Ecclesiastes chapter 3 teaches us, that there's a time to love and a time to hate, a time to hug and a time to shun, and all these different things, there is a time for everything under the sun. And everything under the sun comes in seasons and times. 
Paul tells Timothy to be ready at all times, in season and out of season. And there's different things that this means. And we're going to talk about those things today. What does that really mean? To be ready or instant in season and out of season. And we know that uh, in the past few days and past few weeks, Jesus has been teaching me and now teaching you about the seasons. When does the seasons begin? When are the holy days? How do we calculate these days and everything? And you know that it was on the website that I confessed years ago. And it's been, it's been written on there on that New Moon's calendar page year after year after year after year after year. It's been on there that I did not understand. It's been on there this whole time. It is public record that I have told everybody that I do not understand it when it comes to when does the year begin. I was very clear in when the day begins, when the month begins, all those things were much easier. But when it came to the point in the article of the calendar where it talked about when the year began, I confessed years ago and have remained as public record that when it comes to when the year begins, I was confused. And I even put on there, if anybody can help me, write me. And no one did. But through the revelation of the Lord, amen, through the revelation of the Lord in the right time, in the right season, God said, this is the way it should be done. Amen. This is the way. And I had been praying, and hopefully you have been praying, that if we have any doctrine wrong or any prophecy wrong, anything wrong, show me, correct. We should always be praying that. You need to be praying that. That if you have any understanding or teaching or doctrine or prophecy or anything or even thing, anything about your life that is not pleasing to him, Anything that is wrong, Lord, please reveal it. Let me know. Correct me. Show me. Show me the way that I may be pleasing to you. And I've been praying that. I've got any doctrine or teaching or prophecy or anything wrong. Correct me. Show me. And then especially when it came to Perm and Passover and the the dates, the revelation, and why the fulfillment was not 100%, even though it was a great fulfillment. Prophecy was fulfilled, not exactly the way that we thought it would be. Why was it not exactly the way we thought it would be? Show me, correct me. And I know that Jesus put it in my mind, in my heart, in my soul, that the, the year does not begin until the earth has made a full, full, full rotation around the sun. It is not midnight until the hand strikes midnight. If you, if you look at the Roman calendar, and if you're looking at January 1st, I know that their calendar is wrong. 
but let's just use their calendar as an example for a minute. That on December the 31st at 11.59, as you have one minute left on the clock, and then 30 seconds, and they're counting down in New York City, it is not the new year until it strikes midnight. And God's calendar, the calendar is not a mechanical, electrical, or battery operator or a wind-up instrument. But his calendar is the sun, the moon, the stars, the constellation, the planets, and even the earth itself. And how all these, like a watch, like the mechanisms of a watch, or like the mechanism, mechanical parts of a clock. Things circling among themselves. Amen. As the earth rotates around the sun, it comes back to its original point at spring equinox. And then these brand new calendars that I just released within the last couple of days, notice how I did put the spring equinox, the, the June or whatever, July and the September equinoxes and so forth. And the re- reason those are there are not, not Please, please do not jump to a wrong conclusion that I'm saying we should worship the spring equinox or the summer equinox or the September equinox or anything like that. No, but rather that is time calculation. Amen. It is the clock. It is the calendar. And if, if the equinoxes and the evolution of planets and stars and earth is the clock, is the calendar, then it should be on the calendar, not that those are days of worship. No, not that those days are days of worship. We don't worship on the equinoxes like the witches do and Satanists do and like the Easter people are doing, even though it's not exactly an equinox is directly related. But point is, we need to know those things, how to calculate time, how to read the watch how to look at God's clock in the sky and recognize the times of the seasons, when the seasons begin. And so this is connected with the sermon today, that we need to be ready in season and out of season. And rather, whatever time of the year that the Lord comes back, whatever time of the year that the strong delusion happens and the abomination of desolation and the war and the great tribulation and fifth seal and sixth seal and so on. Regardless of when any of these things happen, we need to be ready instant, in season and out of season. Amen. But even more so when we know that it is time. If we know that the clock is striking midnight, we need to be even more ready, more alert sandals on our feet and our staff in our hand, ready to depart, ready to flee, ready to cross the Red Sea of our local area. Amen. And if there be any uncertainty, if there be any skepticism, if there be any doubt or any unbelief, instead of being less ready, we should get more ready. Amen. If you do not believe that it's going to happen on April 1st, instead of being less ready for April 1st, you should be more ready for tonight or tomorrow. If you think it won't be a week away, then it could be tonight. 
Amen. So why say, well, I don't believe it's going to happen, therefore I, ain't gonna, I don't need to get ready. Because if it's not going to happen that day, it could happen right now. If it's not right, even more the reason to get ready and stay ready at all times, in season and out of season. Amen. But if you do believe the dates, and if the dates are accurate, then also more reason to prepare. If you know you have time to prepare, prepare, prepare. That's just wisdom. If you know you have time to get ready, get ready. If you know you have time to pack, Amen. There's a lot of things that is related to this. Lots of stuff. Let's look at a few other things. Keeping with the ideal of season and things out of season, let's turn to, before you turn, I'm going to let you make a, a bookmark. I mean, not a bookmark, but a little note there in 2 Timothy verse 2. Best place to put that bookmark is maybe right above the word out of season, right above out of season, draw a line to it, and put a little uh, reference to Mark 11, which is where we're going to turn. Mark 11, verse 12 through 14. Mark 11, verse 12 through 14. Then after you write it down, after you write it down, as your notation there, then you can go ahead and turn to that scripture in Mark 11. Mark 11, verse 12. Mark 11, verse 12. On the next day, when they had left Bethany, a town, he, Jesus, became hungry. Amen. And seeing at a distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if perhaps he would find anything on it to eat. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, no fruit, no figs. For it was not the season, it was out of season for figs. And he said to it, to the fig tree, may no one ever eat from you again. He cursed it. He cursed the fig tree. And his disciples were listening. Amen. Some people would say, well, that's not very fair. It's out of season. But scripture says, be ready. In season and out of season. That fig tree should have produced figs for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But here's the thing that you need to know, as I've said many times, that we do have new listeners. Michael is here, and he's not heard this before. Maybe other people that may be tuning in over the next few weeks that may have never heard it before. The thing about a fig tree is it's different from all other trees because the fruit grows at the same time as the leaves. When you see a leaf growing, there should be a fig growing with it, right along with it. 
this tree, even if it wasn't seasoned, it had the leaves. And as such, it had the appearance that it should have fruit. Romans says that we are a tree. And John 15 says that we are a tree. And John 15 says that if we do not bear fruit, we will be cast into the fire. The fact that this particular fig tree, regardless of the season, had the appearance that it should have fruit, that tree represented a hypocrite. This tree was saying, I'm saved. I have leaves. I have, I, have, I have received the water. I'm part of the tree. I'm, I'm alive. I'm saved. I should have fruit. I should be able to feed you. And even if it's not in season, I should be in season because I look like I'm in season. But then at closer examination, that tree is lying. Amen. That tree is a hypocrite. Amen. So he cursed it because that tree represents people who claim to be part of the tree, have an appearance of righteousness, but denying the power thereof, as the Bible says. And he cursed it just as he will curse those that do not bear fruit. It's not enough to just say you're part of the tree of life. It's not enough just to say that or to have an outward appearance or outward verbalization of it. It's not enough. You've got to bear forth fruit. Fruits of repentance. As John the baptizer said to the Pharisees that came to be baptized, he refused to baptize them. Most people think he did baptize them. The Bible actually says that he did not baptize them. It says that. Nobody's ever read that verse. But he rebuked them. He said, bring unto me fruit of repentance. That was his requirement before he would baptize these hypocrite Pharisees who Jesus repeatedly to, his, to their face called them hypocrites. And they claimed to be saved. And they claimed to be part of the tree of life. They did. They claimed many different things. But they were not saved. We are to be ready in season and out of season. If we claim to be saved then we better be truly saved. Not just hearers of the word of God, but doers of the word of God, as James says, the brother of Jesus. Not just people who hear the word of God and not just people who speak the word of God, but doers, those that do the will of my Father, as Jesus said. Amen. Let's go to the book of 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, close to the book of Revelation. 
1 Peter 3, verse 15. 1 Peter 3, verse 15. 1 Peter, chapter 3. One Peter chapter three, verse fifteen. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always ready or be an instant to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you yet with gentleness and reverence. This means that at any time, in season or out of season, any morning, any afternoon, any evening, 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, winter, spring, summer, or fall, always be ready to give an answer for why we believe Jesus is God, why we believe in the seventh day, the Ten Commandments, why we would believe in the resurrection, why we would believe in the existence of our Lord and Savior, why we would believe in the holy days, so forth. These are all very simple and easy things. It should not be difficult for us to explain the seventh day of the week. It's the Ten Commandments, and everybody knows the Ten Commandments. Hey, the truth is so simple. The truth is so simple. All of us, whether you've been saved for one day or a thousand days, should be able to easily explain the Ten Commandments. Jesus blessed the seventh day, not just in Exodus 20, but in Genesis chapter 2 that he blessed and sanctified the seventh day. Can you show me any verse where he did that for Sunday? Is that easy? Is that simple? Ten Commandments, the creation of the earth, the creation of the sun, the moon, and the stars, and he rested the seventh day. How easy, how easy. Amen. And that there must be a God. We know that there are demons. Even a lot of atheists believe there are demons. Some do, some don't. Even the Buddhists who do not believe in the true God still believe in gods, even though they claim to be atheists. What fools they are. They don't even know whether they believe in God or whether they're atheists. They're hypocrites. They say one word one minute and different word another minute that contradict each other. They believe in all kinds of gods, yet don't claim that they don't believe in God. But they believe in more gods than we do. Amen. Buddhism is the most foolish, ridiculous ideology. It's insane and full of hypocrisy. 
the Bible calls people fools. A lot of times people will say, but the Bible says that if you call your brother a fool, that you are in danger of hell fire or damnation or whatever it says it's in danger of. And yeah, it says it. But a person who is not a true follower of Jesus is not your brother. And if the Bible itself can call those people fools, then so can we also speak the truth. Jesus called people hypocrites, vipers, which is poisonous snake. He called them dogs. He called them every name of the book. We are his tongue. We are his lips. We are his mouth. We are his eyes, his ears, his feet, his hands upon this earth today. If Jesus did it, yes, we can do it. Absolutely. We can speak the truth. But neither should we be going around in an over-condemning, over-judgmental spirit, always rebuking everybody at every turn. In general, we should be calm, cool, and collected. In general, we should be meek, humble, quiet spirit, gentle attitude, gentle tone of voice, and gentleness until we can't stand it no more. After we have had all of our long suffering and impatience and forbearance with them, there is a time of rebuke when we see that no matter what we say, that they're simply not going to accept the truth because they don't want the truth. And if that be the case and we see that, it is time to boldly and immediately, without hesitation, say those words, I rebuke you. Because they need to hear that. They need to hear it. Amen. But we need to be ready to explain the hope that is in us, in season and out of season. Always be ready to have these verses engraved in our hearts, not on stone, not just on paper. Some people may have the Bible ripped out of your arms one of these days. We hope that that does not happen, but it is a possibility. You could have the Bible ripped out of your hands one of these days, and at that time, would the Scriptures be alive in you? Would the scriptures be on your tongue, in your heart, and in your mind, so engraven that you could quote the scriptures, even the verses, and with understanding and not with confusion and not with doubt? This comes by reading the scriptures, reading them, reading the scriptures. If there is anyone listening that has not read the entire Bible yet, I really encourage you to make a commitment and a vow and a promise to the Lord Jesus Christ that you will 
read the Bible every day for however long it's going to take for you to read the entire Bible. I recommend an average of three or four chapters a day, but sometimes you may feel like reading more or less than that average of three or four. I don't recommend making a vow of a certain number of chapters per day because you have to weigh heavily your words. Every word is a promise and a vow. And if you break your vow unto the Lord, it is better that you had never been born. Weigh heavily your words, your promises to the Lord, as well as to other people and to yourself. But I do encourage people to make a vow to read the scriptures in a way and a manner that will accomplish reading the scriptures in one year or a year and a half at the most. Because the scriptures need to be implanted in you. And how can any man or woman or child say that they understand the scriptures if they have not read all of the scriptures? Because such a statement would be equivalent to watching five minutes at the beginning of a movie, going to the bathroom for 30 minutes, coming back, watching another five minutes, then going to the bathroom for another 30 minutes and keep doing that back and forth, and you've only seen bits and pieces and bits and pieces of the movie, then you come out from that movie and say that you understand it. You don't really understand that movie. You may understand what it's about, but you don't really understand the movie and those characters, those people and what it really is about, especially if it's a good, genuine, artistic writing. Amen. We need to be ready in season and out of season to teach the people who do ask us questions that we may give them a drink of water, of living water of life eternal. If they come to us hungry or thirsty, we should not have to turn them away by saying, I do not know or I cannot explain or even myself am confused. They come to us for life. We should be able to present it to them. Amen. Let's go to the book of Matthew 24. Matthew 24, starting in verse Matthew 24, verse 15. Therefore, 
when you see the abomination of desolation, that's a sod in the sky, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet in Daniel 12, standing, a sod standing in the holy place, which is the temple of God, 2 Thessalonians 2. Let the reader, those that read this scripture, understand. Verse 16, then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. And as I have said many times before, if we are spiritually thinking, going not just with the letter of the law, but also with the spirit of the law, those in Judea are not only the people physically located in the nation of Israel, but also those people who are spiritually located in spiritual Israel. The Romans says that we are Jews if we are circumcised in the heart. And we, therefore, are residents and citizens of Judea spiritually. But Israel is no longer just only those of those bloodlines, but rather now Israel are those that have been circumcised of the heart. That is scripture. Amen. So, we should flee to the mountains. And now, verse 17. Whoever is on the housetop must not come down to get the things that are in his house. Whoever is in the field must not turn back to get his cloak, meaning his clothing or his outer coat, his jacket, so forth. And what that means is those people that are physically located in Israel, in Jerusalem, and Tel Aviv, and across the physical nation of Israel there, is a much different situation than what it is here in the United States and other places across the world. Because there, in the physical Judea, the armies are already at their doorstep right now. You've got ISIS, the Syrian army, the Russian army, the Chinese army, the army of Turkey, and so forth, that right now as we speak are preparing to attack Israel. And there's not much of a way of escape from Israel. And there are danger is so much more intense because there are tons and tons and tons of Arabs, Palestinians, and Muslims at every doorstep. Whereas in Korea, Australia, and America, there's not not even nearly as many Muslims. But in the Middle East, every step you turn, there is a Muslim behind you, ready to stab you in the back or behead you. And even so much more so, immediately, upon seeing the strong delusion in the sky, immediately once it is announced in the news that it is the president of Syria, that he is the Maldi, that he is the Islamic leader, and I promise you in the name of Jesus, that Iran will make a public a public statement 
I don't know whether it's on day one, two, or three, but I do promise you in Jesus' name that Iran will make a public statement saying Assad is the Maldi, meaning their end-time world leader for all the world, for every nation, for every person on this planet that will worship him. Iran will proclaim him as their Maldi, that he himself will proclaim himself as God. And eventually Iran will even consent to that as well. And in that situation, even before the end of the 30 days, in that situation in a land that is overflowing with Muslims, with Satan worshipers, with a Muslim with a knife behind your back at every turn, you don't have time for anything except for grabbing your bag and running for the hills if you are in physical Judea. But those who are in spiritual Judea in different regions of the world, we will have more time. And we are in a different situation. And God is the God of wisdom. Amen. And of common sense. It is different for different people in different nations, in different towns, about where and when and how that you must flee. So this is the meaning of this, that those people don't have as much time and that you've got to be ready in season and out of season. That if you live in physical Israel, then you've got to be ready even more so because they are in a special area of special intense danger. And they better be packing right now. Right now as we speak, they better be getting their final preparations ready. In verse 19, but woe unto those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days, because it's going to be difficult for a woman to carry a baby to the mountain. Verse 20, but pray that your flight, your fleeing, will not be in the winter or on a Sabbath day or a Sabbath. Now, just because it says Sabbath does not mean that it has to be referring to the seventh day of the week because the annual holy days, Passover, the days of unleavened bread, Pentecost, Feast of Tabernacles, those are called Sabbaths as well. It doesn't specify here whether it's the seventh day of the week or an annual holy day. Some people have been praying as they have been told to do. Lord, please don't let us flee in the winter time or on a Sabbath. And winter for you may be a different season. I believe that when it's winter here, it is summer in Australia and vice versa. 
For it may be winner for one person and not winner for another person. And with the time zones, even a Sabbath could be a Sabbath for one person and not a Sabbath for another. But for each person, it would be a wise and good prayer for you to pray. Lord, please don't let it be in the winter. Lord, please don't let it be on the Sabbath when we're supposed to be resting. Amen. But this is not a promise that it will be, and it's not a promise that it won't be. Don't twist it to say that it will be or won't be. It is only saying that you should pray this, that it won't be. It may turn out to be, it may not turn out to be, but we should be praying this. Amen. And if it does occur on April 1st, as far as the abomination, and then May Day, as far as the invasion, then dealing with the Northern Hemisphere, where America and Israel and Korea is located, then it would be just only days after wintertime and an answer to our prayer for those in the Northern Hemisphere. But I don't know if we're going to not be on the Sabbath as an annual Sabbath. Verse 21, for then at that time of, of the events, whatever season, of the time of these events, there would be a time of great trouble such has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will again. This means that our time of our great tribulation for our generation, those last three and a half years, will be the worst time that has ever, ever, ever existed. All of humanity. Look at all the wars that have been fought, the Crusades, World War One, World War Two, the Holocaust, the Korean War, the Vietnam War. Think about those wars. This war that is to come will be worse than all of those. Because now Russia and China and America and even other nations, North Korea and so forth, have nuclear weapons. Now they've got machine guns and ships and missiles. But none of the wars in the past before World War I had all of those. It took until World War II for nuclear weapons to be used. And even then, very, very limited strikes to one nation of Japan. But it would be different this time with nuclear strikes on the west coast of America and the east coast of America, and perhaps even in the center of America, and perhaps other nations. It's not something really to look forward to, but it is bittersweet with both good and bad things that will occur in that time. We should not bury our heads in the sand 
and ignore and deny the tragedies and horrible events that are going to occur. We need to be realistic. We need to be mature. We need to be wise and understand the horrible events that are to occur. But at the same time, the scriptures do tell us to rejoice at all times, be thankful at all times, to have gratitude and to realize that God is in control and to be positive people. We must realize that during the great tribulation, as horrible as it will be, there will also be the greatest time for the church that has ever existed. There will there will be, please understand this, please understand this, that there will be at that time more people saved in the time of greatest tribulation. More people saved in that time than has ever been saved. You should have great hope for your wife, for your brother, for your sons, for your daughter, for your nephews, for your nieces, for your parents, for your brothers, for your sisters, for other people. I don't understand it when people say that they don't think that the people's going to repent or get saved. Because the truth is, how can you not repent if you have heard the prophecies and then see them occur? How can you not repent at that time? As stubborn as the people look right now, as rebellious, as hard-headed as the people look and act and talk and seem right now, regardless of that, of how rebellious they are right now, once they see the fulfillment of the prophecies, how could they not repent? How could they not repent? When they have heard the word of the Lord, have been seen it fulfilled. We should have great hope, great hope for these people, for the beginning of their repentance, for the beginning of their season of fruit, for the beginning of their season of salvation. That doesn't guarantee that they will be saved totally by the end of the 30 days. It doesn't mean that you have to take every person in the world and every person that you know with you. But there should be great hope for every one of us concerning the beginning of the salvation of our families. Amen? And realize and remember that every person grows at a different speed. Some people will grow slowly during those 30 days. Other people faster. And even if they get saved in those 30 days, does not mean that they are ordained to flee with you. And I cannot give you those answers. I cannot tell you who is to flee with you and who is not to flee with you. I'm not where you are. I'm not in your shoes. 
I don't see these people face to face. I do not hear their voices. I do not know these people. But you, with the help of the Holy Ghost in you and around you and above you and leading in front of you, with the help of the Rabbi Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior and Teacher, He will direct your path. He will show you. He will put it in your heart. He will put it in your mind. Wisdom and discernment. He will give you instruction and direction in that day and in that time. You may not know right now which way you're going to turn or where you're going to go. But when the time is right, he will prove himself that he is faithful. He's an on-time God. Amen. God is on time. And we cannot expect fruit to grow out of season unless it needs to be grown out of season. Amen. Like that tree. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. It's not impossible for these rebellious, stubborn, stiff-necked people to repent. It's not impossible. Not impossible. We should have great hope for these people. We may end up disappointed, but rather we end up Disappointed or not, we should have hope for our loved ones. Continue to pray for them. Continue to pray for their repentance and keep the door open at that time. You may have already rebuked certain people, and that's okay. But if they come back in repentance, open the door. Open the door of your heart. Open the door of your house and say, come in, and I will teach you. And if they will listen to us, then continue to follow the direction of the Lord at that time. And if they will not listen to us, if they continue in their rebellion, if they continue in their mocking ways, then you're going to have to rebuke them again. But until then, we have a hope. Amen. We are people of hope. And there is a way. Amen. Continuing going back to Matthew 24, in verse 23, actually verse uh, 22, verse 22 says, unless those days will be ended, and no life will be preserved. I have to go back to verse 21 to make it sound right. Verse 21. For there will be a time of great trouble such as not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. And unless those days be ended, no life will be preserved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be ended. So in other words, If Jesus were not to come back at the exact time 
of 1,335 days. Mankind would totally destroy this earth. Mankind would destroy every living human being and animal on this planet would be destroyed in nuclear warfare or some other manner except for that Jesus would not allow it. Amen. Jesus will not allow it. The Satanist named Stephen Hawking that just died, cursed be his soul, predicted the destruction of the entire earth. And he is a liar. The earth will never be destroyed. The scriptures say very plainly that the earth will abide forever. Amen. And the the soul that God has given us will exist as well, except for the people that will perish in the lake of fire. But Jesus will come back and put an end to the war and to the great tribulation for the elect's sake. Verse 23, during all this time, if anyone says to you, behold, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. Don't believe that God has come back. Don't believe that Christ has come. Amen. Verse 24, for false crises and false prophets, the popes, both popes, two prophets, will arise and will show great signs and wonders. Not just little tiny ones. Not just somebody standing on the Temple Mount claiming he's God. But great signs and wonders. So as to deceive if possible, even the elect. That's how strong, that's how strong the strong delusion will be. It's called strong delusion, strong deception, not a weak. In verse 25, behold, I've told you in advance, amen. If they say to you, behold, he's in the wilderness or desert, do not go out. For he is in the inner rooms, do not believe him. For just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes even to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Mankind be. Footnote explains that lightning does not travel from east to west. What he means is that storms can be seen from a distance before they arrive to your location. You can see in advance that the storm is approaching and getting closer. The same will be true with Jesus' true coming in the sky in comparison to the appearance of the Antichrist, what they call Antichrist, in the sky. Also, that all of these signs must be fulfilled before Jesus can come. He cannot come back tonight unless all seven seals, all seven trumpets have been fulfilled. The scriptures cannot be broken. He will not return this month, nor next month, this year, next year, or the next year, until all seals and all trumpets have been fulfilled. Verse 28, wherever the dead bodies are, the carcasses, there the raptures will gather. Amen. 
footnote, rapture birds, but take away the wicked by eating their dead bodies after the battle of Armageddon, after both the great tribulation and the wrath of fields are all fulfilled. Right there, it refers to Luke 17, 37. You can check that out sometime. Verse 29, but soon during the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, talking about the sixth seal, and the moon will not shine brightly, and the stars will fall from the sky, talking about meteorites, meteors, meteor shires, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. There's a scripture somewhere that says that the earth will move out of its place in that day. The whole earth will be moved. Amen. Verse 30, and then the sign, not the actual coming of Jesus, but the sign of the Son of Mankind will appear in the sky. After all this, after the sixth seal, not before the sixth seal, not before the fifth, not after the fifth, but only after the sixth, the sign in the sky will appear. And that's talking about these sun, the moon, and the stars are the signs in the sky. Amen. And that's a sign that will happen a year and one month and one day and one hour, according to the book of Revelation, before Jesus comes back. Verse 31, or I'll continue reading verse 30. Then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they have seen the Son of Mankind coming in the clouds of the sky with power and with great glory. And he was sent forth his angels with a great trumpet, the seventh trumpet, and they were gathered together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the other, meaning from north, south, west, and east, that he would gather his people at the seventh trumpet before he actually does land on the earth, 41 and a half days before he actually does land on the earth. You have to go to Revelation. You have to prepare everything on the timeline. You have to take notes as you read in the book of Revelation. You have to read 2 Thessalonians 2, the book of Hebrews, Ezekiel. You've got to read the whole Bible before you can fully, fully understand these scriptures unless this being explained and taught accurately. But we know that the Church of Babylon does not, does not teach it accurately because they do not compare scripture with scripture. Amen. They pick and choose. They are the ones guilty of picking and choosing, not us. Because we do consider every verse. We do consider every scripture. And we don't throw out scriptures and ignore them. But when we present scriptures of comparison of verse with verse, they ignore them. And you know I'm speaking the truth, that they ignore those scriptures and just say, but this other scripture... They want to believe more and ignore and not even consider the scriptures that you are presenting, whereas we should be considering every one of these scriptures in order to get the full understanding. But they don't want to do that. Amen. But if we do prepare all scriptures, then we understand the timeline. We understand what's going to happen first and second and third. Amen. Now let's go to verse 32, and this is my point right here. Verse 32, now learn 
the parable of the fig tree. Remember, he cursed the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and put forth its leaves, you know that the summer is near. So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near at the door. Amen. Now, it may or may not be literal in any sense about the season of the year. And we cannot say that this is definitely a promise that it will be spring or summer when he returns because actually there's more reason to believe it won't be spring or summer in the northern hemisphere when he returns. But I think very firmly that this is more spiritual than anything else. This is really spiritual. That he is saying that when you see the signs, when you see the abomination of desolation, you should know. When you see the armies gathering around Jerusalem, when you see the armies preparing to attack Assad, you should know that the time is near. And when you see the actual abomination of desolation actually occur, then you should know. You should be able to start counting the days from there, amen, and get to the direct season, the direct day of when Jesus is going to return. Amen. It's not impossible for the body of Christ to know his own return. Amen. And I believe that a man tells his wife everything. I believe that the groom tells his bride all of his secrets. Maybe, hopefully. <laughs> I have to think about that. I think so. I think I've told Brittany everything that she needs to know. <laughs> no. But truly, a man and woman, they share all their secrets. Amen. Why would Jesus not tell his own bride when they're going to get married? Hey, baby, we're going to get married one of these days. You don't know when. (laughs) (laughs) Now, he would definitely tell his bride, get ready. Get your dress clean. Get your dress pressed without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. But he's coming back for that church that bride, and he's going to tell her, hey, honey, you got one hour left. Get ready. Amen? He's going to tell her and keep telling her and keep telling her, amen, of the clock clicking down. Amen. So then, verse 33, that is at the door, verse 34, Truly I say to you that this generation will not pass away until all of these things take place. Heaven and earth will eventually pass away, but my words will not pass away. This means scripture cannot be broken. God says you can count on it. Amen. God says you can count on it. There's no if, ifs, if, ifs, ands, buts about it. Verse 36, but of that day 
and iron, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor even the Son, but only the Father alone. And people say that means that it that no one will ever know. That's not what it says, is it? It's talking present tense. That is Jesus talking present tense 2,000 years ago that nobody at that moment knew, not even Jesus, but only the Father in heaven. And people would say, as somebody told me on the phone just a couple of days ago, that proves Jesus is not the Father. No, it doesn't <laughs> prove that because we have to read every verse of the Bible. And you can't say this verse has more credence than another verse. No, you cannot say that. You cannot say that you're going to believe this verse but ignore another verse where he says, where they say, show us the Father. And he said, have I not been with you all this time and you still say to me, show me the Father. I've been here all this time. How much more clear can you get? Jesus did say that he is the Father. Yes, he did. If you say to me, show me, Pastor Tim, and I say to you, duh, I've been with you this whole time. How can you say to me, show me, Pastor Tim, I've been with you this whole time? Am I not saying I'm Pastor Tim? Do I really have to make thunder and lightning come out of the sky before you believe what I'm saying? Come on now. Lord Jesus. But what this is saying, there is another scripture that says that he poured himself out and became a man. He left the knowledge of his return, of the date of his return, with the greater measure of his soul that did not come through Mary, but stayed in heaven. Amen. He submitted himself to having ten toes with, with toenails that had to be trimmed. He was God. He was God. But he humbled himself to pour himself into the mold of clay and left most of his knowledge and most of his power and most of his soul, most of his spirit in the heavenlies. And that is why he did not know at that time. But once he was re-glorified with the Father, once he returned to heaven, once he shed the skin of flesh, he now knows the date of his own return. Yes, he does. Amen. And if he himself knows the date of his own return, then why wouldn't us who have the mind of Christ? Amen. Is Christ ignorant? Let no man say so. 
Let no man say that Christ is ignorant. Blasphemy. Blasphemy. The things that are being taught by every so-called Christian in this dark, wicked world. They blasphemy every tongue, every every Sunday, every day, every sermon. is nothing but blasphemy and lies and fairy tales and myths. Amen. No wonder the Lord is coming back with great wrath. Let's read what it says here. Verse 37. For the coming of the Son of Mankind will be just like in the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. Now, there's nothing wrong with eating. There's nothing wrong with drinking. There's nothing wrong with marrying. There's nothing wrong with giving in marriage. But the point of what it's saying is they're doing all these things as if there is no end of the generation. They're doing these things in ignorance that tomorrow the flood is coming. That is what it's saying. You're doing these things as if the same as when I'm at in a parking lot or Walmart somewhere that it comes to my mind, comes to my heart. These people walking around in total ignorance of what time it is and what's about to happen. It's like a meteorite coming out of the sky and smashing into the earth right in that parking lot and I know it's coming and exactly what time it's coming, but they don't. That is what it is like. Verse 39, and they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. This taking away is not a good catching away. It's not a good rapture, but this taking away is a judgment against those ignorant people. Amen. We should not want to be taken away. We want to be called up. We don't want to be taken away, which is what they always call the rapture. We don't want to be taken away. We want to be called up, and there is a difference. But they did not understand. They were ignorant until the flood came. They did not know the day and the hour, and they got taken away. So will the coming of the Son of Mankind be? To the ignorant, amen, but not to the bride. Verse 40, then there will be two men in the field, and one will be taken, destroyed, and one will be left, survived, remain. This is a good thing. Two women will be grinding on the wheel, one will be taken, and one will be left. Babylon says this is the rapture. And you know what? It is the rapture because it is the time that they're going to be eaten by the raptor birds. Yes. This is not a good taken away. It is taken to be eaten and your eyes plucked out by a bird, as even the Bible says, I believe. And the Bible in Revelation 19 calls it the great supper of the Almighty. 
the great supper of God, something like that. A feast day. It could be Thanksgiving. It calls it a great supper. Amen. Two women would be grinding in the wheel, one would be taken, one would be left. Therefore, be on the alert. Be on the alert. For you do not know what day your Lord is coming. He's speaking to people right in front of him. He's saying to that crowd of 100, 200, 300 people in front of him, right then and right there on that day 2,000 years ago, you don't know the date. But he is not saying to us, to his bride, to his chick, to his woman, to his girlfriend, to his lover, he's not saying to you and me, that we can never, ever, 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 ever know. No. He is not saying that he wants us to remain ignorant, brother. He is not saying that. But he's saying to the wicked, he's saying to the lost, he's saying to Babylon, he's saying to the Pharisees, and he's saying to a generation that would not even be alive, that you don't know that I or they. Verse 43, but be sure of this, that if the head of the house, which is every man who is truly following Jesus and to ever pastor as the head of the house and to ever true follower of Jesus, whether you're a pastor or not, if you're the head of your house as a true follower of Jesus, if the head of the house had known, which means it is possible, if you had known, at what time of the night that the thief was coming, he would be, he would have been on the alert. You would be awake, and you would be ready with your supplies, with your defense. You would be ready on the alert, and would not have allowed your house to be broken into you. You would not allow your wife, your children, or yourself to be eaten by the raptor birds. You would not have allowed yourself to be woken up in the middle of the night by surprise. Amen. You may be in that bed naked. A lot of people sleep naked. Not so much anymore. But a lot of people still sleep in bed naked. And if, if you're ignorant and a thief comes in the window in the middle of the night and wakes you up, then it would be an awkward and horrible surprise. And you would not be able to defend yourself as easily as if you are in your military fatigues. If you are already awake and alert, you've already got your knife, you've already got your gun, you've already got your armor, you've already got your boots on, you've already got your punching gloves on, you already because you know the plan, because you know what day, you know what hour, you have been told in advance, you are not ignorant, you are going to be ready for the thief in the middle of the night. But for everybody else in the neighborhood, they will be woken up in their nakedness and in their shame and in their ignorance. And it will come as a surprise to those people who are not alert that we are not to be ignorant, brethren, but we are to be alert. 
and not allow our house to be broken into. Verse 44, for this reason you must be ready in season and out of season. Be instant. Be ready. Stay ready and get ready more. Amen. For the Son of Mankind is coming at our when you, the wicked, the lost, those that are not part of the tree of life, when they do not think. Amen. Verse 45. Who then is the faithful and the wise servant whom his master put in charge of his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant who his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will put him, you, in charge of all of his possessions. You know what this means? It means it's not impossible to know because it's saying that he has given some people responsibility, knowledge, information, a heads up of when the thief is coming in the middle of the night. He has put me in charge of this house of God to tell you to be ready at this night, at this hour, in this season, on April the 1st, to be ready. And if it does not occur April 1st, you are not to fall away from the faith of God, from this ministry, from this work, from this congregation, but rather you are to stay ready in season when we think it's going to happen and out of season when we don't think it's going to happen. Amen? Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. One Thessalonians five verse seventeen. One Thessalonians five verse seventeen. Pray without ceasing. Amen. Pray without ceasing. This means Pray in the night, pray in the morning, pray in the afternoon, pray in the evening. It's not just five minutes in the morning. It's not just five minutes at night. It's not just 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes at night. But it is while you're driving. It is before you go in the store. It is while you're in the store. It is while after you come out of the store. Amen. It is before you talk to someone. It is throughout the day. It is while you're at work. It is while you are ministering to someone. It is while you are uh, answering people's questions. It is while you are evangelizing in ministry. It is while you are distributing the flyers. It is at all times. It is a constant relationship with Jesus Christ who is ever-present. It is speaking and acknowledging the presence of the Lord with you 
throughout the day. The Lord does not come to visit you for 30 minutes in the morning and then leaves your house and comes back at night at the end of the day. Don't treat the Lord like that. He is living with you. Acknowledge him throughout the day. Let him be your constant companion. Let him be your constant friend, your constant leader, and your constant God. Let him be your constant uh, guidance and direction. Seek him while he may be found. And acknowledge him at all times. Pray unceasing. That doesn't mean that every second of the day you've got to be in prayer. It's okay to listen to some music and wind down or to watch a 30-minute or hour or two-hour show, TV, or video that helps you unwind, to relax. It's okay. But how can I help from not thinking about God or paying attention to him or saying something to him in the middle of that or and at the end of it as well. The word Lord, God, Jesus is in my mind, in my heart constantly, 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 constantly. There is hardly a 30-minute or 15-minute or 10-minute that I, that my mind and heart is not on the Lord somehow, some way. But that doesn't mean that I've got to be on my knees 24-7 or singing 24-7 or reading the Bible 24-7, but I am still acknowledging, knowing, realizing, understanding, comprehending His presence, His eyes upon me, If I look at you constantly and I never take my eyes off from you, it'd be like, (laughs) it'd be like, Pastor Tim, uh, you would have to say something to me, right? If I just continue and continue and continue and continue to keep my eyes on you and I would not let go, I would not let go, not let go, not let go, you're going to have to say, Pastor Tim. You're going to have to acknowledge that I've got my eyes on you. But guess what? The Lord has his eyes on us 24-7. Even while we're sleeping, he is watching us sleep. <laughs> okay, now. Yeah. But it's not that awkward. Yeah. But his eyes are on us at all times. How can you not say something back? Yeah. And say, I love you, Lord. Thank you for looking at my eyes. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for loving me. Amen. But he's not just looking at the outside. He's looking from inside. Amen. He is looking from the inside. He is looking through your eyes. When you see something, he sees it. When you hear something, he hears it. You think something, he hears it. You feel something spiritually, mentally, emotionally, he feels it too. And vice versa. If the Lord is angry, you should feel his anger if you're close enough to him yet. 
And once you do become that close to him, you will feel his anger. You will feel his disappointment upon the world, upon people, upon individuals. You will feel his excitement. You will cry his tears. You will laugh his laughter. You will feel his emotions, and he will feel yours. You will become, you will become at one with him. This is our goal. This is our desire. This is his desire. Even as a husband and wife will finish one another's thoughts and one another's words and sentences, so shall it be with our groom, our lover, the lover of our soul. Amen? And you should acknowledge him in prayer sometimes as lover of your soul, husband, groom, Lord, Savior, Redeemer, Head of the Church, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. There's so many ways, limitless, unlimited ways you can address him. And part of coming into a very intimate and personal relationship with him is starting to acknowledge him by different titles. Try that. Experience that. Don't stay with Jesus all the time or Lord all the time or God all the time. Try to expand your relationship with him by calling him different titles of how he is relating to you at that moment. If he is provider at that moment, call him provider. If he is healer at that moment, call him healer. If, if he is your joy at that moment, call him joy. For he is all of these things and the source of all these things. Amen. Amen. Pray without ceasing. Acknowledge him at all times. Be in an intimate relationship with him. In season, out of season, regardless of what happens. Let's go to Revelation 16. Revelation 16. Michael's like, thank God he's not staring at me now. (laughs) Okay, Revelation 16, verse 15. Verse 15. And they gathered them together. No, I'm looking at 16. Verse 15. Behold, I am coming like a thief, Jesus says. Now, Jesus is not a thief. A thief is somebody breaking the Ten Commandments. Amen. So why is Jesus calling himself a thief? Now, he's not calling himself a thief. He says, I'm coming like a thief. But who is he coming like a thief to? To the wicked. To the lost, to those that are not expecting it. 
Huh? In a surprising way. Yeah, in a surprising manner. Right. But ask yourself this. I just told you to call the Lord joy, savior, husband, groom, healer, provider, and any other titles that you can think of at each moment as it comes to you of who he is to you at each moment of the day, hour, moment, week, year, whatever, would you ever call him thief? No. You would never call him thief. Therefore, he is never coming as a thief to you. Amen? He is never coming as a thief to his bride, only to the wicked, only to the lost, only to the ignorant. Amen. And not just to the lost, but even some true, even true to some truly true followers, he may even come as a thief. Think of the the ten virgins in Matthew 25. All ten fell asleep. Not just the foolish ones fell asleep, but even the wise ones fell asleep. So even to the true church, he may come as a thief, unexpectedly. But what those wise ones did do, even though they fell asleep, they had gotten ready. They had gotten their supplies before they fell asleep. Amen? They had gotten their supplies. They had gotten ready. And when they fell asleep, which is the carnal natural thing to do. They were still ready. They were. But they were still called somewhat, somewhat at surprise of the date and the hour. And what this really means to us is this. Even though the Lord of time has perhaps probably revealed to us in this congregation the timeline and the date, but to many others who are part of this body of Christ who are invisible to us and we have not yet met and they have not yet been led to this ministry or not yet found this ministry, they're still unaware of the timeline. Amen. It doesn't mean that they're lost. They're still part of the tree of the virgins, the ten virgins, the five wise virgins. There are some things that lead to salvation. And there are other things that even though they're extremely important, you don't really have to know in order to be saved. You don't have to know the exact date of Jesus' return to be saved. No, you don't. But if we can know it, it's a glorious thing. This has to do with ranks, ordaining choices of the Lord, 
It has to do with some people are apostles and some people are not. Some people are prophets, some people are not. Some people are pastors, some people are not. Some people are teachers, some people are not. Some people are evangelists, some people are not. Some people have the gift of healing, some, some don't. Some people speak in tongues, some don't. Some are called to go to Tennessee and some aren't. Some people are meant to flee and some aren't, even if you are a true follower. Different members, different toes, different fingers of the body of Christ. But if you are called and ordained to be that particular part of the body that does know the dates, then praise the Lord. But if you are a different toe, a different finger that doesn't know the dates, that's okay too. Just as long as you keep the commandments. Amen. But if we can know what are, that he would come as a thief, then we would be more ready and perhaps even be part of a league of government, of teachers, of administrators of the millennium, of the kingdom of the Lord, Because there's going to be different administrations in the church just as there's going to be different administrations in the kingdom. Some people are trained to be a doctor. Some people are trained to be a herbalist. Some people are trained to be a pastor. Some people are trained to be a mayor. Other people are trained to lead a city. Other people are trained to lead four people or five people or 100 people. Some people are given one Talent, some people are given 10 talents. Some people are given knowledge of the dates. Other people are not given knowledge of the dates. But there's a time and a season and a reason and a purpose for everything under the sun. Amen. The dates are not meant for all of the church to know. Not everybody is meant for the first resurrection either. And do not assume that you're going to make it in the first resurrection. I know that everybody's hearts are set on the first resurrection, and that's okay, and that's good. But you know what's better than the goal of first resurrection is the goal of completion. And only by the having the goal of completion can you make it in the first resurrection. But rather you make it in the first or rather you make it at the end of the hundred makes no difference as long as you become complete in Christ Jesus so that at some time, whether it be at 6 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 9 o'clock, Regardless of the time, regardless of the season, regardless of the year, regardless of the resurrection, as long as you make it in the ark before the entire earth is devoured by fire. The earth was destroyed by water the first time, but this time 
at the end of the 1,100 years, the earth will be devoured, destroyed by fire, the lake of fire. As long as you make it in the ark by that time, by that day, by that season, then you're going to be okay. And we'll be together in the kingdom. Amen. And let's not be jealous if one person makes it in the first and the other makes it in the second. Let's not be envious. Let's not not be childish. Let's not be proudful. Let's not boast if one makes it in, if we make it in, if you make it in, in the first, but other one don't. Don't look down upon those that are ordained for the second. Don't look down on a weaker member of the body. For we are all necessary. Even the little toe is necessary in the body of Christ and in the kingdom. We're not about, should not be about that one is more important than the other. And we cannot all be chiefs. We cannot all be apostles or prophets or pastors or teachers. But let our goal be to become complete in Christ Jesus. And for some, it would take longer than others, and that's okay. That's the way it's meant to be. That's God's plan. That is God's perfect, perfect, perfect plan. The watermelon can only grow so long of a length of time. You've got to plant it at the right time of the year. You've got to harvest it at the right time of the year. And if you look at a different pack of seeds, they've got to be planted in the sun, some in the shade, some in partial sun, some in partial shade, some plant in the fall, some plant in the spring, some needs lots of water, some needs less water. Let's not be of an over-condemning, over-judgmental spirit of everybody at all times. Amen. Realize, with a great hope for your family and for your friends and people that you know, have a great hope that rather they make it in the first season or the second season, that they're going to make it in. Amen. It is not as Babylon teaches that as soon as the rapture happens, nobody can get saved. They actually teach that. A lot of Babylon teaches that when the pre-trib rapture happens, that whoever is left behind, as they say, that is too late. That you cannot, even if you are going to church, even if you are trying to live for the Lord, if you don't make it in the first resurrection, if you don't make it in the a pre-trib rapture, hey, it's over with. It's over with. You can't even get saved in that time. I've heard them teach that. Maybe they don't all teach that. Maybe some teach that you can get saved in those three and a half years. But I know for a fact that some teach that even Christians can't get saved. What kind of stupid plan of salvation is that? That's not God's plan of salvation. They say it's over with. As soon as the rapture happens, there's no more seasons, no more times of salvation. They say this is the only time of salvation. 
They've not read the Bible where it says the word first resurrection and the rest of the dead live not until a thousand years are finished. And then Satan, the devil, will be let out of his prison to deceive the nations again. Why would Jesus allow the devil to roam the earth again to deceive the nations a second time after the thousand years? Why have they never, ever, ever read this verse in the Bible? It's like they made it all the way up to Galatians and stopped reading the Bible. They just want to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Paul, Acts, and Paul's writings, but they don't want to read Revelation. Oh, I don't want to read Revelation. It's too hard for me. I cannot understand it. Well, for me, the book of Revelation is the easiest book in the entire Bible to understand. You know why? Because I've read it. And I read it again. And I read it again. And I read it again and again and again and again. And I'm not exaggerating. And that's all you got to do is read it over and over and over and over. And I learned, take notes as you read it and keep track of the timeline. And when it, when, it, when it regresses, when it goes back to a previous time, A, turn there and read it. When it goes forward into a future time, turn there and read it. And if you've read it 10 times, then you then you know where to turn after you have read it five, ten times, twenty times. You will learn. That's how you learn is by reading it over and over and over. Amen. Read the Bible. I can't say it enough. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Turn the TV off and read the Bible. Then you will understand, and it will get easier. And another clue. And key to understanding Revelation is having the Holy Ghost. The Scriptures itself says that you cannot understand unless you have the Holy Ghost. So receive ye the Holy Ghost. Amen? Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Then he will teach you. He will give you the understanding. Amen? You cannot receive the Holy Ghost until you receive a basic elementary knowledge of the commandments of 1 through 10, what they are, what they mean, and that you must repent of having idols and false gods and not keeping the seventh day. You have to repent of those basic elementary principles. Get that basic elementary baby milk knowledge that you may repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you will receive the promise of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. Say it right, Pastor Tim. The Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Let's go back to Revelation 16, verse 15. Jesus says, Behold, I'm coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and keeps his clothes spiritually so that he will not walk about spiritually naked and men will not see his spiritual shame. This is not saying 
that a man should never take his shirt off. People twist, 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 twist scripture. This is not saying that you should never sleep naked. But rather, it is talking spiritually to be ready, spiritually that you need to be ready at every hour, in season and out of season. For a lot of people will not read or hear of these revelations that the revealer has revealed to us. Amen? Because not everybody is supposed to. Not everybody is ordained to know this. We don't have to spend $10 million to give this out to everybody on the earth because a lot of people, it is meant for them to not know everything that we know. But we are chosen. We are elected, chosen by God for this information. Amen. That doesn't mean that I won't tell a few more people. It doesn't mean that I might not blab my mouth tomorrow. I have a hard time controlling my mouth. Amen. Hard for me to hold back. But we'll see. And I will try to let the Lord lead. And that takes humbling myself. It takes prayer. It takes self-control. It takes God-control. It takes the Holy Ghost. It takes surrender. It takes submission. Pray for me that I let the Lord lead in this revelation and how much to share it with more people, with the world, on the Internet. I do believe that the people that tune in to these broadcasts, that they deserve a greater measure of revelation because that you listen, because you tune in, because you're willing to listen. Because you have the wisdom of tuning in to listen, to hear the word of God. Amen. Therefore, I feel that in this broadcast, that I can share with you deeper and greater things that I would never say on the newsletter or on the website. I feel like that you are intimate with me and me with you. that these different toes can rub together, amen, and walk together, walk together, and feel the same thing and know the same thing. I feel that I can share secrets with you, deep and hidden things of the mysteries of the theos, amen. And I'm also thinking that the people who subscribe to the, to the notifications of the newsletter, 
that if they have entered their cell phone number for the people with American cell phone numbers and the people who have entered their email addresses for other nations or even in America if they have entered their email address, if they have signed up for the newsletter notifications and remain a member of the newsletter notifications, even though I have told people over and over and over and over and over a million times, you know I'm, you know I'm exaggerating now, but you understand that, that I have told these people a million times, you are hypocrites, every one of you. I have told these people all I have cussed them out. Yeah. But yet, if they have remained a member of the newsletter, then those people deserve a greater measure of revelation and warning of the days to come. Therefore, I may spill the beans with them a little bit more. Amen. Different people treat it different ways because different people have spent, invested more time, more energy, more patience, and more long-suffering with the servant of the Lord. Amen. If they have shown me more patience and more long-suffering, more love and more understanding, they deserve favor from the Lord and from me to give them a share in what Jesus has fed me. Amen. So we'll continue to examine spiritual things and needs and favors, mercy and grace and revelation. We'll continue to examine all these things, try to let the Lord lead, and trust in his leading and trust that whatever happens, that he is in control. Amen. God is in control. Praise Jesus. And tomorrow, I will be uploading to the website a revision of the original Revelation article about the holy days and how they are tied to the timeline. It will be revised with the new dates of the new understanding, the corrected teaching of we have not had Param yet because the year did not start when I had thought it would start and I had it wrong about when was the first month of the year. Therefore, we have not yet had Param. And Param will be on March 31st and April 1st, March 31st and April 1st, will be parent. At the time that we was going to do Passover, we will have parent. So on March 31st, which I believe is next Saturday, yes, we're going to be having services anyway because that's the seventh day of the week. But that service next Saturday will serve as being also a parent.
service. We're not going to have any special services on Sunday, but the services on Saturday will be for double purpose, for the purpose of parent as well as for the purpose of seventh day. Then the following day, April 1st, April Fool's Day, will be Easter. And it will also be Purim and Easter and April Fool's Day. And it will also be the 39th anniversary of the Islamic Republic of Iran. And And as I did send an email to some people, to those people that are staying in touch with me the most, that on April the 1st, 1974, the evil demon called the Alatoni Khamenei, Alatoni Khamenei, Alatola Khamenei, April 1st, April Fool's Day, 1974, he said that Iran should be an Islamic republic. At the time, he was not the leader of Iran, and at the time, Iran was not an Islamic republic. At the time, the man that they called the Shah was friends with America, and Iran was friends and allies with America. Women did not have to wear that black, evil, demonic gown. Women in Iran at that time, looked like an American woman. They walked around in shorts and flip-flops, so forth. It was a normal society. But then on April 1st, the same date of the year, five years later to the day, 1979, Carter administration, demon crap, Jimmy Carter, allowed Iran and probably even propelled Iran to become an Islamic Republic. I hope you're understanding what I'm saying. April 1st, 1974, Alatola Khamenei said, Iran should be an Islamic controlled Republic five years to the day, April 1st, 1979. It became the Islamic Republic that he is now. That cannot be coincidence. It is because the demons recognize April 1st as being important to Islam, as being important to Iran. It is the date of deception. It is the date that people take joy in lying. It is the date that people take joy in strong delusions. It is a demonic date. Amen. And it is Easter. And we have seen in recent newsletters and revelations and recent updates of the Alpha and Omega Bible that where it used to say Estar or Astroph, it should say Easter, and really all those things should be pronounced the same. Easter. And there is a direct connection with Easter, with Assad, and Zeus, and Horus, and 
Apollo and all those other Greek and Assyrian and Roman gods. Different cultures, different languages, different generations changed the names. All those, even the Egyptian sun god Ra, all refer to Satan the devil and Assad. All those Greek, Roman, Egyptian, Assyrian, Babylonian gods and Persian gods all refer to the devil and Assad. And Easter is directly a Assyrian holiday. If you go to the Easter article at I Saw the Light Ministries, I Saw the Light Ministries dot com slash Easter dot H T M L. You'll see there the information, the evidence, the proof, the documentation that Easter is an Islamic Assyrian holiday directly connected with Christmas. It has nothing to do with Christ Jesus, but everything to do with the beast, the wild beast of Saul. What greater day for Assad to manifest as the Islamic world leader, what they call the Maori. Thirty days later would be May 1st, May Day. The word May Day means emergency, but it is also a holiday of the Soviet Union, of Russia, and of communism and is of pagan origins just like April's Day and Easter. We could see the invasion of Israel on May Day. We also have the 70th anniversary in April, 70th anniversary of Israel. And we don't have to have a verse of the Bible that says exactly like this, 70th anniversary of Israel means destruction or invasion of Israel or the beginning of the Great Tribulation. We don't have to have everything spelled out for us as if we are little children. But rather spiritually, we can easily see a great and grand symbolism and connection for 70 years just by knowing but the scripture does talk about 70 years that Israel was in captivity to Babylon. And in this case, it's the vice versa of 70 years of Israel being a nation then going into captivity. But there is still a connection of 70 years and I feel that strongly feel it very strongly that there is a spiritual and huge connection with the 70th anniversary and 70 years. I cannot teach you the scriptures of 70 years and how that proves anything. I have a weak point when it comes to that. I'm human. I have weak points. I do not understand everything. But what I can tell you is this, is that I feel that there is a strong connection with the 70 years.
Now all these dates may come and pass without these prophecies being fulfilled. And then if that happens like that and these prophecies are not fulfilled, you will have a choice. You will have a choice whether to leave this ministry or not. You never listen to me again. You never read the newsletters. You never read read the website. And I understand why a person would make that decision. But at the same time, are you willing to throw away everything that God himself has taught you in this ministry? Just because that I continue and continue to make mistakes. Would I throw you away because you continue and continue to make mistakes? I have this fellowship from many, many, many people who continued to make mistakes. But that was because I corrected them and they refused the correction. And that is the difference. But in this sermon today about being instant in season and out of season, there are several points that I want you to take away from this sermon today. And I believe that it is the will of the Father that you take these points today from this sermon, that you are to stay ready whether man is right or whether man is wrong, that you need to stay ready at all times in season and out of season, in April, in March, out of March, out of April, in May, out of May, that you need to remain in his kingdom, in the center of his will, and in this ministry, in the truth of doctrine and in faith of where God has brought you. God has not brought you to the Catholic Church. God has not brought you to the Baptist Church. God has brought you to I Saw the Light Ministries with everything that's good about this ministry and with everything that's bad about this ministry. With my good points and with my bad points, with the good points and with the bad points of this ministry, with the good points and bad points of my wife, of the good points and bad points of me, of the good and bad points of AJ, with the good and bad points of Michael, with the good and bad points of Kiki, with the good and bad points of Melissa, with the good and bad points of Jonathan, who is in prison for murder, with the good and bad points of each and every people that I left out as well that we are still the fingers and the toes and the little toes and the big toes, even when our toes stink, we are still the toes of Christ. Amen. And if God has brought you this far, why go back to Babylon? Amen. When you get in the center of God's will, do not leave the center of God's will even when the earth is shaking. Amen. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Back to verse 15 here. 
Blessed is the one that who stays awake and keeps his clothes. Clothes there, if you compare that to Revelation 19, were given white linen, which says, this white linen is the righteous works of the saints, right? It's not talking about real clothing. It's talking about keep your righteous works. Stay in the work. Keep keeping the faith. Keep keeping the seventh day. Continue to keep the seventh day. Continue to keep the holy days. Because every truth stands on its own. Amen. Every doctrine stands on its own. If I'm proven wrong about when the year begins, that don't mean I'm wrong on the seventh day. If I tell you that the day is day number uh, 30th of the month or day number one of the month, if I tell you the year begins in March, but it begins in December, all those things has nothing to do with our salvation as long as I love the Lord, serve the Lord, keep his commandments, and keep the holy days to the best of my ability and to the best of my understanding. Days are days. The sun is the sun, the moon is the moon, the earth is the earth, but all these things should be consumed. There won't even be dates in the kingdom. Amen? There won't even be a clock in the kingdom. Amen. Keep your spiritual clothes, keep your spiritual words so that he would not walk about spiritually naked. It means don't be sinning when he comes back. This is what it means. Stay faithful, stay part of the tree, and don't be sinning when he comes back, and don't be caught unprepared as a person sleeping in their bed unprepared. Be ready regardless of the month, regardless of the season, regardless of the clock, Stay, 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 stay ready. Don't go back to Babylon. Do not fall out of the center of his will. Do not fall away from the glory of the Lord and from his teaching and his revelations. This ministry is not about Pastor Tim. This ministry is about you serving the Lord and becoming complete in Christ Jesus. I have said it many times before. I will say it again now that my job is to get you so complete, so ready, that you won't need me no more. This ministry is not about me. This ministry is not even about whether I am or am not a true prophet. This ministry is about you being ready for the Lord. Amen. And that you won't need me anymore. Once I go off the air once I go into the wilderness, once I flee, and you'll never hear from me again, that the word of God will be ingrained in you. That the word of God will be ingrained in you. That you have taken away from this ministry the need to pray, the need to fast, the need to read the Bible, that you would know and remember those words for the rest of your life. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. The Bible, fast, pray, keep the commandments, amen, and never cease from these things. Give the glory to the Lord at all times, even in the bad times. If somebody starts whipping you in the back, give glory to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for the first strike. Thank you, Jesus, for the second strike. Thank you, Jesus, for the third strike. 
rejoice again. I say rejoice. The Bible says again. I say rejoice. Paul, the shipwrecked, stoned, whipped, went naked, went hungry, Paul did, still was thankful for the Lord at all times, rejoiced in the Lord when he had chains around his feet, when he was arrested unjustly, when he was in prison unjustly, when the earthquake came at any time, when the storms was rising. Paul always gave glory to the Lord in the good times and in the bad times. I hope you take that away from this ministry as well. Amen. Romans 13. Romans chapter 13. Verse 11. Romans 13, verse 11. Romans 13, verse 11. 11 through 14. Do this, Paul says, to the the church at Rome. Paul says, Verse 11, do this, knowing the time, that it is already the hour for you to awaken out of sleep. For now, salvation is more near to us than when we first believed. The night is almost gone, and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Amen. Remember in Ephesians that there is the armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, so forth and so forth. We need to have those spiritual clothes on in the nighttime. in the daytime, in the winter, on the Sabbath day, and when it's not the Sabbath, and when it's not the winter, in the good times and the bad times, in season and out of season, all times unceasing, that we should have on these spiritual clothes. Amen. Put on the armor of light. We have traded the wrong for the right. We have traded the darkness. We have traded the deception. We have traded Babylon. We have saw the light. I see the light. I so praise the Lord. I saw the light. Amen. We have traded the wrong for the right. We're no more in darkness, but we are in the day now. Amen. The night is gone. But now, verse 12 is talking about times past, not only our past sins, but even as time marches more to the sunrise, as, as weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning, the Bible says. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. That is symbolic of the tribulation. Then a time of darkness, gloominess, the Bible says, is a time of darkness and gloominess. And a time of trouble and tribulation is also called Jacob's trouble. 
We are Jacob spiritually, and all the tribes of Israel are Jacob, Jacob's trouble. And but there is a day spring, there is a day rise, there is the water of life that will come. Jesus will come and it's the son of righteousness. The Bible Malachi four calls him the son of righteousness. S U N. He is the son of righteousness, Malachi four, I think. So there is a day coming. So verse 12, the night is almost gone and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and alcoholism, not in sexual permissivity and lasciviousness, lewdness, and not in strife and jealousy. Amen. But put on this clothing, put on this armor, put on the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its desire, lust, coveting, for what is forbidden. Amen. For what is forbidden. That doesn't mean we can't have a piece of cake, a piece of pie, uh, a lollipop. Uh, it doesn't mean uh, that we cannot have any enjoyment in life at all, but rather it means that there are some things that are forbidden, adultery, pornography, homosexuality, bestiality, horror movies, hard rock music, and the list goes on and on. These forbidden things, those things we should not uh, allow in our flesh, in our heart, in our mind, we need to become complete in Christ. We need to be purified, sanctified. Our hearts and minds need to be purified and sanctified. How does that happen? By reading the scriptures, by singing his praises, by worshiping him, by fasting, by coming to services, by keeping his commandments, by all these things in form, and by praying unceasing, realizing his eyes are on us at all time in the middle of the night, everything we do and say and think, he knows it. He's looking from the inside. We better not be stinking. We better not have trash in our heart. We better make room for the Lord. Move the trash out. Move him in. Not be spiritually clothed with shame, but be spiritually clothed with the Lord Jesus Christ and with the armor of the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, because time is almost up, so much more. We ain't got time to waste like we did when we was children. We ain't got time to waste like I did when I was a hooligan. But now I am a servant of the Lord, an ambassador of the kingdom of God. I ain't got time to wallow in the mud, as the Bible says. We ain't got time to remove our hand from the plow. We have to keep our hand on the plow not be like a pig or a dog waddling around in the mud, not returning like a dog to his own vomit, the Bible says, but rather sticking with the middle of God's plan, staying where God has brought us, continuing forth, going forth, not falling away from the Lord. There's a falling away coming. There is a falling away coming. has already happened. I've seen a million people come to this ministry and a million people leave. There is consistently, every day, a falling away that's already occurring and will only intensify. And I tell a lot of people that come to this ministry, 
that the devil will try his best to remove you from this work because that is the truth. The devil will put thoughts in your mind. The devil will put doubts and unbelief in your mind. The devil will come against me. The devil will come against you. Everything in his power to separate us, to divide the body of Christ, and to destroy his kingdom. And many have fallen away. But the church still lives. And the gates of hell, the gates of the grave will not prevail against this body, the body of Christ. Some may leave the tree. Some may burn away, wilter away, consume away. Some may fall away. But the body of Christ will stand forever. Amen. The body of Christ will stand. I will stand. You will stand. This ministry will stand when the earth is on fire. The words of God will stand forever. Amen. Be unshakable. Be unmovable in the presence of the Lord. Draw closer to him. Draw more into the center of the tree of life. Drink from his well. Drink from the fountain of life. Drink him in more. Get more of him in you. Beg for more water of life. Say, feed me, Lord. Give me more water of life. Beg for more discernment, more understanding, more wisdom. Ask for the things that you need from him. Ask. I'm talking spiritually and physically. Ask him for the things that you need. And covet and covet the best gifts. Ask you as the body of Christ to grow in maturity in the Lord. Get more of the Holy Ghost. Ask him to fill you up. You're going to need him in the tribulation. You're going to need more of him. I won't be able to preach to you anymore soon. Soon my voice will be off the air. I won't be able to teach you anything anymore. Keep the Bible to your chest. Keep the Bible in the middle of your eyes, in front of your eyes. Read the Bible, pray fast, and worship the Lord and sing to the Lord and treat him as your lover of your soul, for that is what he is. And as your Lord and as your Savior, as your Master, as your King, as your Redeemer, as your God, as the, as the everything to you, he should be your everything, everything. He should be your first thought in the morning and your last thought at night. But your mind on the Lord and perfect peace he gives to those whose minds are on him. Amen. I do want to share uh, a testimony I've given many times before, but some people have not heard it yet. I have a clock that is on this pulpit. And the clock never ticks, <laughs> never changes time. It's constantly set for just two or three minutes till midnight. 
no battery, no electrical cord. It's just constantly two, three minutes to midnight. And the reason is in 2008, back then at that time when I was still living in a normal house like a normal person, how boring and dull that is, but when I was still in a house like a normal person, One morning in the shire, the Lord put it in my mind, go get a clock that hangs on the wall, that runs on a battery, but don't put any battery in it. This clock should not have any cord. And just set it near midnight, just a few minutes to midnight, and put it on your wall as a symbol that time is running out, that it is nearing midnight. Time is running out. Well, I thought to myself, is this really the voice of the Lord or is it my imagination? Should I really do this? I need to pray about this more. But I had no time to pray about it except for just those few moments, those few minutes, because only minutes later, after getting out of the shower, the phone rung. And it was a man I never heard of before, never heard from before. He had never called me before, never emailed me, just this total stranger calling me who had found my inf- information on the Internet, who ran a website at that time that's no longer on the Internet anymore, but at that time he was running a website called nearingmidnight.com. Amen. Praise Jesus. No coincidence. And I was doing broadcasts on the internet. He had found the broadcast, called me up to ask if I could interview him on a broadcast to where we could work together, talk to people in that broadcast, telling people to get ready because time is short. I agreed to that. We did that broadcast. But in the meantime, after that phone call, I went across the street where somebody was having a yard sale directly across from my house, and there was the clock, and I bought it. Only a matter of minutes after God put those thoughts in my mind. That was the voice of the Lord. Amen. It was not coincidence. It cannot be coincidence. Anybody that would say that's coincidence is the worst fool on the planet. Amen? That was a miracle. Absolutely miracle. Now, once I moved out of that house into a tent, lived in a tent for seven years, of course, I couldn't put a clock on a wall no more, so it eventually became that I put it on my pulpit. And it remains in my pulpit to this day. Anybody that comes to services here will see the clock nearing midnight. In 2008, it was true. Time was short, and it was nearing midnight. But now the night has passed, and another season, another year, and another year, and another year has passed. And now it is getting more near than before. More nearer now than when we first believed, as Paul said to Rome. 
the day of our salvation is more near now than what it was a month ago and what it was 10 years ago. It is time that we wake up, become more mature in every aspect, more complete, more perfect, more sanctified, more purified. And we need to be an example. We need to be an example to all people in every aspect, physically, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. They should not look upon us and say that person is miserable, sad, depressed, or in turmoil. But rather they should look at us and say, no, that is. He may not be perfect, but that is a servant of the Lord and is a good mentor, is a good example. Amen. They should look upon us and say that we are a good example. And as time goes by, that should be more and more and more true and more of an accurate statement. Amen. Let's be busy about our Father's business. Let's do everything that God has allotted us to do in a short time and stop procrastinating and stop being lazy Write down what our priorities are. Write down what we need to get done and what we need to get done first and do it and be busy about our time and taking advantage of every moment. We ain't got time to play. We ain't got time to play. We've got to get serious, got to get busy about preparations, about what needs to be done, about what needs to be purchased and how we're going to purchase it, how we're going to buy it, doing what we need to do. There is a deadline. And as the deadline is closer and closer and closer, we've got to stop procrastinating. We've got to grow up. We've got to be mature, be responsible adults, and get done what we need to get done. Please excuse me for being Sergeant Carter here for a minute, but we have got to get busy. Amen? Amen. Amen. I can't hear you! (laughs) (laughs) Praise the Lord. I think I said everything that I'm supposed to say and more. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. If anybody has any questions about anything, please feel free to email me, call me, text me, write me, or cuss me out. Now, if you don't have my contact information, you can go to the website at isawthelightministries.com and look, look, and look, and look, and look, and look until you find that hidden button, and it's hidden for a reason, because I don't want every maniac in the world emailing me. But if you look, if you seek the truth, you will find it. Seek and you will find the contact button and email me with any questions you maybe have, and I'll be glad to try to answer your questions and to point you to the scriptures and to the truth of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, our lover of our soul. 
Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Glories. We just cannot glorify him enough. He is worthy of all of our praise. Amen. Worship him more. Worship him more. Amen. Worship him unceasing, day and night. Worship the Lord. All of this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.